You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing the Godfather at chompacasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello and welcome to the Break a Bat podcast where baseball meets Broadway. An attempt to show that my two favorite mediums don't have to live in such separate worlds and maybe even break some stigmas. We're happy to have you with us. Now let's play ball. Hello and welcome to Break a Bat. I'm your host, Al Malafrante, coming at you from the Broadway Podcast Network studios with one of the game's most fun and exciting performers that I've ever had the chance to interview. Much like a Broadway production, great baseball teams feature casts with very defined roles. One term we often use for players atop the lineup is a spark plug, someone who brings a certain energy and skill set to the lineup that helps set the tone for the rest of the team. You think back on some of the best teams to play on Broadway over the years, and names like Willie Randolph, Ricky Henderson, and Derek Jeter immediately come to mind. In addition to their ability to get on base and make things happen on the base paths, they always bring a tremendous energy to the team and leadership qualities that help them win. The leading all-star I get to hang out with today is no different. No matter which show she's in, she always brings an undeniable energy to each of her performances that helps set the tone for success. A graduate of Carnegie Mellon University and an industry veteran of over a decade, she essentially has a master's degree in character-driven roles here on Broadway through her sense of humor, stage presence, and pretty awesome singing voice. Her Broadway career dates back to 2007, making her debut in Hairspray and since appearing in shows such as Follies, Big Fish, and Jersey Boys. Lately, she's been hitting for some major power, taking on the lead in Rock of Ages. She's also fresh off sharing the stage with some other Broadway all-stars who just happen to play for the Yankees. If you'll please turn your attention to home plate, just be on the marquee, now batting Kirsten Scott. I got choked up during that. <laughs> that was so sweet. Your whole career flashed oh before your gosh. eyes. Oh my gosh, yeah. I was like, this is your life. Oh, <laughs> what's wrong with me? I'm like literally like tears. Um, that was so sweet. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Uh, it's great to have you. You want to get like a Gatorade or anything? I know, or, like, right? I need to like rehydrate Ice after. pack or something. Yeah, you good? <laughs> oh my gosh, I just came from acupuncture. I probably do need an ice pack on my shoulder. I'm like, ooh. Um, no, that was, that was lovely. I'm so happy to be here. Oh, it's awesome. And you know, you were arguably the talk of the baseball and theater crossover fan base for a good few weeks this summer. Oh, stop. You didn't realize this? No. You're the first actress on Broadway who got to share the stage with essentially the mascot of this crossover, Araldus Chapman. Oh my gosh. I didn't know that. Now, 
Let, let me ask you okay. a question. When, when you did the Rock of Ages shows with the Yankees, just yes. take me behind the scenes as to, you know, what was going on. Well, how did the cast find out? And like when you guys heard that Chapman specifically was coming, how did you guys react? Well, I, it's so funny. I'm, ter- I'm terrible. I'm not, I grew up in Pittsburgh and like I followed the Pirates who I know. Um, and, and I loved going to baseball games, but I wasn't a huge, um, I'm not like that much in touch with the baseball world. So I was like, oh, this is super cool. Like we're having a Yankees night. Um, but then we heard that um, uh, CC Sabathia was going to be in the show with us. And we were like, oh, that's really cool. We literally get to share a stage with him. So it was, it kind of trickled down because we weren't sure exactly what it was going to be at first. And then we realized, oh, he's going to be backstage with us. We have to, he's going to be dressing and like acting like a Rock of Ages bourbon room um, attendee. And it's, it became like a really, really charged night. It was really, really cool. And it was also just such a different um, vibe because what they do is so specific. And what we do is so specific. And to have that crossover was really um, enlightening because he thought we were really cool. And I was like, no, 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 you're like a legend. You're really cool. It was, it was cool. And he kind of got nervous, which was also cool. You know, we're just like, this is, it was, it was really uh, unlike any other experience I've ever had. And obviously, CeCe, like you mentioned, a, yeah. a legend, future Hall of Famer, much like Chapman, although, he, you know, he's kind of in the middle of his peak here. Was Aroldis Chapman the first person you ever saw wear sunglasses inside a Broadway theater? No. Um, you know what? Probably. Yes. Especially because it's very dark in there. We're like in the basement at New World Stage. <laughs> we're, we're like in a hole in the ground. So I was like, oh, yeah. Yeah, actually, he probably is. I've actually, I've known some directors, but like in like regional productions that have worn sunglasses in like rehearsal rooms and stuff, but um, never like in the show. Yeah. Yeah, that was unique. It's an artsy look. And the one yeah. thing I notice about him, it, I find it very interesting. Part of why we started this show was, first of all, I've always been a big fan of the Yankees. I've always been a big fan Clearly, of Broadway. Clearly, yes. Yeah. <laughs> As I prop these two Yankee I know, hats in I front of it, us. I love it. Props. You know, props. You're, you got to have well some props aware. on the table. Yeah, I came in and I was like, oh, I know what we're doing here. <laughs> well done. So what happened was, I went. you familiar with Broadway Con? Yes, absolutely. I've never been. Can you believe that? This might be the year. Though. I know. I hope Rock of Ages runs long enough that we can like go to Broadway Con and like be guests because I would, I feel like the high school Kirsten would, will like freak out and like lose her mind. And then like the adult Kirsten has to like rein it in to pretend like she's not the biggest dork because I am. <laughs> I am. Um, but I, I really, if if we don't go as like a cast for Rock of Ages, I think I'm, I'm definitely going to go this year because I haven't actually been in town yet since it's been a thing, which is crazy. I've always been out of town doing a show or something. Well, this is what I'll say. I mean, yeah. you, you got to prepare yourself it. for two things if you okay. go. First, in your case, people are going to ask for selfies. That's like that's oh, what the fans do. They're going to awesome. want. They're going to meet you, which is I will I don't always oblige. <laughs> I will put on a face. <laughs> and then the other thing is, if you happen to wear a Yankee hat, they're going to start asking you about Chapman, and that's why I was bringing it up. Yes, with, tell me. I, I thought it was so interesting because when I wore my Yankee hat there last year. It's interesting, you know, you don't meet that many fans of both, you know, baseball yeah, and Broadway. Yeah, totally. Um, but people started asking me, you know, what about Aroldis Chapman, Aroldis Chapman? I'm like, out of curiosity, you know, he's an all-star, but, you know, there's like guys who play more than just the ninth inning because he's a closer. Yeah. And they brought up two very specific things. They brought up the fact that he throws over 100 miles an hour, so he's theater with every pitch. <laughs> That's terrifying. I would not want to be on the other end of that pitch. You would, if you're that lucky is, that I, he's not asking the questions oh my tonight because it's <laughs> yeah, like that's wow. I'm throwing fastballs at you as it is. An hour? He threw 105 once. Set the record. Jeez, that's he's, amazing. It's theater with every pitch, like yeah. we said. And the other thing is, it's it's interesting. I guess that there's some sort of connection with the social change aspect that he 
brings to baseball because he's pushed the boundaries a little bit with fashion norms. He he's worn a pink suit on occasion. He's worn a purse to the stadium on occasion. Uh, I think overall, he's a very progressive figure in addition to the fact that he just happens to be a six-time All-Star. So I thought that was pretty yeah, cool. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's, a, I mean, why, why, you should break the mold. You know, if you can throw 100 miles an hour. <laughs> You've already got people paying attention. Then might as well take it the next step. I, a hundred percent. So you, know, you mentioned growing up. I'd be remiss not to ask this because my producer, Dory Berenstein, is a tremendous Pirates fan. Oh, yes. When you were growing up in Pittsburgh, you grew up near Carnegie Mellon, but you also had, you know, the Pittsburgh Pirates, I guess at the time when you're growing up in the early 2000s there, they weren't yeah. necessarily the best team. Is Are sports and the arts both big things? In Pittsburgh, yeah. I I went to a lot of baseball games, but actually when I was growing up, like Mario Lemieux and the Pittsburgh Penguins were like where it was at. I would go to hockey games with my dad, and I still remember there was um, – <laughs> I loved I loved hockey games for some reason. I maybe because it's so fast paced, and um, I also like love winter. I'm that weirdo that like loves the cold. Um, <laughs> I know I'm, so, I'm a weirdo. Um, and uh, yeah, so I would I so like and, and also like the Penguins were like a big deal back then. And I got to meet Larry Marilyn Mew as a kid, and so um, so I think sports were always a big thing in Pittsburgh. And like the Steelers were such are such like a I don't know. I feel like they're such an American team. Because it's an institution. It's an institution. Yeah, that's a good that's a good word for it. Um, so I was really into sports when I was growing up just because my family was and they'd take me to games. Um, but then – but also um, the arts, it's so funny. I don't feel like being in Pittsburgh is what got me into the arts. I think it was my dad's – my dad would travel a lot and bring back um, cast albums from the West End. So that's kind of how I first was introduced into musical theater. And then it just so happened that once – it was on my radar, I realized what an amazing community we had of theater in Pittsburgh. So then I kind of branched out and realized that, like, I was so lucky to live in that city because there was, there's so many theaters there, and there's also so many training programs. It's a really great place to grow up if you want theater and sports. Touché. That is, that is my commercial for <laughs> Pittsburgh. <laughs> Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Now, let me ask you this. Um, so you mentioned that your dad traveled a lot. Yeah. yeah. I guess he traveled a lot to London. Um, but did he travel to New York much? And did he ever take you uh, no, with him? It's so funny. He, I think he did travel to New York a bit, but not as much as other places. And the first time I actually saw a Broadway show, I was 16. It took me a while. Yeah. I know my theater troupe used to go to Stratford and go to the Stratford Festival, and the Shaw Festival. Um, so I saw shows there before I ever saw a Broadway show. 
Wow, that's know, really that cool? interesting. Yeah. So it was really just from the cast albums that really that I, had you like. Dude, I was like obsessed. I was like, what is this? I want to sing like this. I want to tell these stories. <laughs> I want to be a cat. Yeah, I was, it was mostly Lord Webber. I mean, if you're, if you're coming from London at that time, you know, it was definitely like heavy, heavy Lord Webber because it was those mega musicals that kind of don't exist anymore. You know, those Jesus Christ Superstars, the Cats, the Sunset Boulevards, those like epic, you know, masterpieces. Yeah, I mean, it's time. all- I mean, it was such a unique period for it really, sure, right? It really was. It really was, yeah. Now, do you remember what your first show was when you came here at 16? Okay. I think it was the producers. We came for a weekend, and I we, I know in that weekend we saw the producers and Aida, and I cannot remember which one we saw first, but I, I think it was the producers. And I was, you know, it was the original cast, so it was it was pretty cool. I was going to say, yeah, like you couldn't pick a bigger powerhouse oh, to go see, right? Oh my gosh, I was like, what is happening on stage? It was incredible. I think we had like the worst seats and it was in the St. James. So it was like, you know, it's it's the hugest theater. And I think we had maybe the l- last two rows, but I was, you know, bent over in my seat, elbows on my knees, just trying to soak up every single bit of it. You say that was around age 16. And yeah. that's right around when you started auditioning. For Broadway as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, when I was uh, a senior in high school, I actually started <laughs> – I've told this story a couple times now. I feel like um, I um, uh, auditioned for the open – like an open call for the National Tour of Hairspray when I was in high school. And um, it was really, really cool to kind of get that experience as a kid because, gosh, naivete really worked for me because I had no idea what I was going to expect. And I knew what I loved to do and I knew I had this voice and I knew I had this presence. And I was like, yeah, I'll just – I'll see what happens. I'm never, never in a million years thinking I would actually, uh, actually like a year later book it. But um, it was really extraordinary to, to kind of go and to get to test the waters before I decided to really devote my life to this and go to school and do this for a living. Now, you knew you were good at a young age or did, what was that moment when you said, you know what, I could make a living out of this? You know, I'm, I don't know the specific moment. I, this might sound super, I, don't, I really love to sing. I just, I really do. I, it, it calms me. It inspires me. It, it's, I really love doing it. And it, I, it sounds so cliche, but it's, I feel like I have something inside me that every time I sing, it's, it's, I feel like my, my truest self. And when I was a kid and the first time I ever auditioned for a musical, I brought in part of your world from Little Mermaid, from like a fake book. I didn't even know how to like prepare an audition. And I just got up there and sang. And I got cast in a role that sang. And then I was 13 and I played Peter Pan. And I started realizing that I had never really spent any time doing this, but I was getting cast in these roles and to to use my voice. And I loved to sing and I would sing around the house and I just never really realized I was good at it. And then once kind of, I guess, sounds I don't know, once people were like, oh, yes, you actually are good at this, I started to realize that I love doing it and I actually could maybe do something with it. And then in high school, I realized, you know, this is this is really what I want to do with, for my for my career because I was, I was just so happy doing it. And I, I love telling stories, really. The thing I admire so much about your journey to Broadway is because even though you realize your talent at a young age, you had to make a conscious decision, you know, to not <laughs> – Pursue the hairspray gig because, yeah. you know, there's a lot of 16, 17-year-olds out there who are 
you know, super talented that might have just jumped at that chance and, you know, not being able to have the foresight to see, you know, what what comes after, Absolutely. what's next. How did you how did you get there at such a young age, you know, to make that type of decision? You know, I had a, I had a, a lot of amazing teachers growing up and I had some teachers who had done things in New York on Broadway um, in in roles where their their body they, they use their bodies a lot. They were very physical, whether it was dancing or or whatnot. And I kept I just remember this from a young age that they kept saying that they wished that their careers could have been longer, but you know their bodies started to break down and they didn't felt feel like they had the tools to continue. So they moved and started teaching. And um, I kind of like remembered that, and it was in the back of my head. And I thought, okay. I, I was a dancer growing up, and I love doing it. And I think dancers are some of the hardest working athletes in in any role. I mean, they're, they're like Olympic athletes. When I did American in Paris, I would watch those ballet dancers and think like the kind of technique and the the um, what the, what they have to do just to do a show every night. I I was floored by them, and I and I saw that, and I went, okay, so that's one of the aspects in my toolbox. And I know I have that, and I also know that I I can sing, and I have that, and I. And I thought, you know, I want to keep doing this until I'm 80. So once my voice goes and once my feet are broken, I can still tell stories and I can still be an actor. And that was the the one part of kind of the triple threat that I had never really um, explored and, and trained as a kid. So that kind of set my sights on going, okay, I need to go to a school that has a very strong acting program because I would really like to be an actor, essentially, until, you know, hopefully until I die. And so I realized I needed to get that training. And when the hairspray thing came up, I, I really, I sat with it for a while and I thought, this this is amazing. I could dance in the chorus of hairspray for a year or maybe five years, but but then what what's next? And I felt like I didn't have that kind of... Um, that good toolbox of of the acting that I thought that I really wanted for the longevity of my career. So it was that decision, kind of thinking thinking through, you know, sixty years down the road, where does Kirsten want to be, and where where do I see myself? That made me decide to stay in school and get that training because I did, I knew that if I took that job, I would never go back to school. I just knew because the city's so exciting, and and I would hopefully I I mean in the parallel universe that I've thought about if if I if I chose that path I would hop from Broadway show to Broadway show to Broadway show but then at some point maybe I would want more and and then maybe I no I don't think I would ever go back to school so that was that was my line of thought it was very very long long-winded but yeah that was that was where at, <laughs> yeah, at 18 I mean, that was what I was thinking <laughs> I was like I was like yeah I want to yeah it worked out, obviously, because not, o- not <laughs> only do you go on to college, but you go to one of the most prestigious arts programs in the country I at Carnegie so Mellon. I really, I really did. My gosh. Yeah. And, you know, I, I've always been curious, you know, I want to make a baseball parallel here. Yes, please do. It's kind of like being a highly touted prospect. Sure. It, you know, there's a lot of attention around you coming out of high school. Obviously, you're good enough to get into a great program or get drafted in an early round, for yeah. example. Um, once you finish there you feel any extra to perform once you arrive in Manhattan and trying to make it on Broadway right away because hey I just trained at you know the most one of the most prestigious institutes in the entire country mm-hmm. it should happen you, you create a timeline for yourself how does what goes through your head at that oh, point oh absolutely uh, when you leave a, a, a program i mean there's a lot of fantastic programs in this country and when you leave a program like a Carnegie Mellon you do you think okay i am in a class of 
let's say 10 people. I think when I graduated, there was seven of us. Oh my gosh, don't quote me. I think it's seven. Um, <laughs> there were seven of us. And you think, okay, we were seven of these, of the thousands that auditioned. And so we have something special that we're going to take to New York City. And yeah, we're going to hit right away. You just, you think that because you're uh, kind of naive, but also you feel like you've been it's like the Olympics. You've been training for this for four years and you're like, let me out. Let me like, let me unleash me on New York City. Like I'm going to show them what I can do. And I got lucky and a lot of my classmates got very lucky as well and are very successful. And, but I don't, yeah, I, I think, I think we, we, we were naive to think that it would happen very quickly, but I don't think we were foolish to think that we were, um, kind of special and unique because we had been chosen and we had been, um, lucky enough to get into this program. And you know what? It's just so amazing because things really do come full circle for you because <laughs> shortly after graduating, there you are in Hairspray. It's yeah. like it was destiny. It was destiny. The same exact part that I that I had gotten, the actress was leaving and I went in and they gave it to me. It was, it was gosh, I wish all, all hard decisions in my life were, you know, a couple years later had, had a moment like this that was like, Good, good for you, Kirsten. You made the right choice, and the universe is going to show you that you made the right choice. You know, it just doesn't happen like that. It's, it was, it was so lucky, really. And you know, once you got here, did you was New York everything that you hoped it would be? You know, performing on here for the first time, being a big lead, <laughs> big league Broadway actress. Oh yes, you know. Oh gosh, my first year of living in the city was like candy. I mean, I was like living it up. It was, it was fantastic, and it's. I feel like after the first year of living in the city, I started to realize New York City is hard. It's hard. I think I, I have this conversation with my colleagues all the time. I think all of us love the city and feel like if we weren't in this profession, we would live anywhere and everywhere else because it's hard. It's a hard city to live in, but the, you know, the, the positives outweigh the negatives, but it's just sometimes the negatives can be very very overwhelming in this city because we most of us have come from a suburban lifestyle where you hop in a car and you're in this you're in the lovely you're in the lovely car and you go to your grocery store and you you can drive places and you can put things in your car and you don't have to schlep around the city like the bag ladies that sometimes we feel like and um but but it, i it was a really fantastic when i first moved here oh my gosh it was it was everything I had I had hoped for. Yeah. And you're still here all these years later I with know, a glowing I've look on your face. I've like. survived. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, like, give like find me one New Yorker that that isn't at the same time of saying at this in the same breath saying that that the city is the most wonderful, magical place to live. That it's also it's really hard. Yeah. Oh, it wears on you 100%. It, totally, totally. It, it's very easy to get inside your own head when it's almost like you're kind of like a, a, a small fish in a big pond for the first time. You know? Absolutely. You, you come from that suburban lifestyle like yes, I did as well. I totally. I totally get that. Yeah. But then there's all, but then you have those New York days when you're, you know, strolling through the village on a sunny fall day and you run into someone that you haven't seen in 10 years and it brightens your day and – then you randomly run into someone else and you see like a celebrity on the subway and you're like, they're just like us. And, and <laughs> yeah. it just fills you with this pride of like, I live in this city. Like, this is my city. So you take the good and the bad. It's so true. Yeah. It's just the little things that like, you know, I've been here, you know, all of three years now. And oh. just even the occasional Tuesday night dinner that you go to and the, you know, the, the typically poppin' restaurant yeah. is not that crazy. And, you know, the night you happen to go is... You know, it, it, it's a fine vibe. It, you could get a table early and it's like, 
hey, the one night I choose to go, it's 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 pretty cool. It's a yeah. cool feeling. I love that. It, it is. I did tour for a year, so there is something when you leave New York, all of a sudden you're like, oh, I can't go to fabulous restaurants at midnight and get a five course meal and drink, you know, until. 3 a.m. Like, oh, that's okay. Yeah, I do miss that. Especially like theater people. We always want to eat after shows and like in the middle of you know, the Midwest, they don't keep restaurants open that late. So like small things, you're like, oh yeah, okay, New York's really great for like those awesome like creature creature comforts that we have. But um, yeah, it's it is a great city. It sure is, especially this time of year, too. Oh my gosh, right? Today it's been gorgeous. My gosh. Now, I want to ask you this. What was it like when you had the opportunity to originate a role for the first time in Big Fish? Oh, my gosh. It was so special. Um, You feel very privileged to get to put your handprint on something that no one else has really gotten to touch before. And that creative team was just so magical. That that whole experience was so magical. I, I, I feel like I kind of stumbled into it. It was a it was a reading workshop that I auditioned for when I was right before Follies closed on Broadway. And I had never been in a room for Susan Stroman before in that capacity. I think I'd auditioned for her before when I was like right out of school for like a tour of Young Frankenstein, but it wasn't it wasn't anything extraordinary. And she probably wouldn't like it wouldn't be something that she would probably remember. Um, because I think I was good, but like nothing, you know, nothing to write home about. Uh, so I remember going in and I had a couple callbacks for it, and throughout each callback, I just slowly knew more and more exactly who this person was. And the movie to me was so special. It was one of my my husband and I's first dates. Wow. <laughs> so we I knew the movie like intimately, yeah. and I I just felt grounded, and I I knew exactly who this person was. So it was so interesting because I wasn't nervous in the audition process at all, and then. When I booked it, I I never thought that it'd be more than just a workshop. And then it kept continuing on to another production. And then we moved to Broadway. And um, it kind of all happened so quickly. I, I I feel like I rarely at that time step took a step back and said, oh my gosh, like you are doing a role no one else has gotten to breathe life into. And this is really, really cool. But now I look back on it and realize to be in that room with that creative team, to be speaking these words and to have them forming the mold around what I could do and what I brought to the table was so unique and so, so special. And I, I like, I pray for the experience to do it again, for the opportunity to do it, do it again. Tell me if you view it like this and yeah. if I'm going to draw a baseball parallel. You please do. <laughs> you must. It's kind of like setting a record. It's something that no one can ever take away from you. It's something that's never been done. It's like A-Rod being the first shortstop to ever hit 50 home runs. Yeah. Um, It's like Chapman throwing 105 miles per hour. Mm -hmm. It's really, you know, kind of putting your handprint on the fabric of the game or in the fabric of theater in this case. And I'm sure that you certainly have those opportunities going forward. But I I think there's such like an emotional thing about that that really hits – it's home. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Because I've stepped into many characters that have been originated by some fantastic people, but you, no matter who steps into these characters' shoes, everyone's going to bring a unique perspective to it. So it's really cool to be the first person to articulate what that perspective, what they feel that perspective should be. And you, I mean, you say that you stepped into some roles. You've stepped into some powerhouse <laughs> productions and yes. you know, just happen to be ta- taking on lead roles. Yeah. But yes, yeah, so there's something about originating a character. It's almost like your child. That's, yeah, that's, absolutely. That's I've oh felt. my gosh. 
it's so bringing a, a musical to life is so like, yeah, having a child. Now I want to ask you, I mean, cause here's the thing you've obviously, you had some tough decisions to make going into, you know, college. We talked about earlier, choosing Carnegie Mellon over going on with hairspray. Um, when big fish closed after a lot of hype surrounding it. Yeah. Um, did you have to make any changes as far as, do you start to question yourself? Is there, is there any change that you make, you know, in your style? Do you, do you is there like a moment of self blame? What, what is that like for an actress? No, I, I, I got super depressed. Um, I still remember I went home cause it was right after the holidays. I think we closed December 28th, which was like the worst time to, to close. So I, I went home for new year's and I just remember being on the couch for, I feel like like two weeks straight and I hardly ever moved. I, I was so depressed. And, um, I, I think I took the loss personally, but not so much that, that the, that the, that the lack of success from the show was my fault exactly, but that this beautiful, vulnerable, raw heart that we had created as a company was ripped out from us. Like the, the rug was pulled out from under us very quickly and we no longer had this beautiful story to tell on a nightly basis that brought all of us so much joy. And so I was depressed just because I, I didn't see my friends anymore and I wasn't in a Broadway show anymore. And I wasn't able to sing the score that I thought was extraordinary. And I wasn't able to tell the story that I thought was so worthwhile to tell. And, uh, yeah, I didn't get to show up every day <laughs> to the theater. Uh, but I, I think it's, I don't know. I don't, I don't think any actor Actually, I, I actually have, have no idea, but I, I think no actor is to blame for, you know, a, a production not working. I think it's, you know, it's it was a myriad of things, unfortunately, with that show as to why it didn't succeed. But I think the, the thing that I did question about myself was I thought this thing was so good. Like, what is wrong with me? Like, why can't I see the flaws? And I don't actually know that there were flaws. I think it just, it, it hit at a time that it just wasn't, people didn't want to see whatever we had to say. Um, but it did kind of make me question like my critical eye a little bit. Interesting. Yeah. It, it, yeah. Cause it is so very much a team effort, but you know, a lot of that, you know, could start with the front office. It, it, that's, that's a baseball There's, expression. Production yeah. timing is a big sure. part of it too. Timing's Just, a huge part of it. Yeah. That is such a big thing. Now, you know, you mentioned that, you know, you went through a, a little bit of a difficult time after yeah, that, you know, coming definitely. to accept it, but that must have made Jersey Boys all the sweeter. Oh, yeah. That was, yes. Because um, I had grown up with that show in, in the sense that my husband did it for many years. And so I had seen it so many times. So it was like, it was, yeah, it was it was really cool with that when that happened. It was nice to, because that happened pretty quickly after. I, I think we closed in December and I went to Jersey Boys maybe in May. Um, so it was nice to have that as a distraction to go, okay, back to work, you know, like, Put put your put your pants back on and we're we're going back to work. It's fine. And when you get through that, it's like it's you can get through anything. You've yeah, got to be exactly, thinking that, right? Exactly. Absolutely. That's incredible. Yeah. All right, we're gonna take a short break. When we come back, Kirsten leaves the Garden State for the City of Angels. But before all that, it's time for the seventh inning stretch. Stay tuned. Step into the world of power, loyalty and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. 
Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right, Kirsten, before we rock out at the bourbon room... <laughs> I <laughs> I thought now would be a good time for us to play a little game. Yes, I love games. I'm very competitive, so let's do this. All right, let's <laughs> see what you got. It's called seventh inning stretch. Okay. So you're you're going to go into the clubhouse at this point, loosen up a little bit, take a few swings in the cage. Except instead of swinging at baseballs, you're going to swing at some trivia questions. Love it. All right. So I've got six questions, half are Broadway, all shows you've been in. Thank goodness. And to keep it fun, half will be baseball. <laughs> this is going to be fun and embarrassing. Keep going. <laughs> we'll see. All right. So you get five right. You win a prize. How does that sound? <gasps> I'm in. All right. Done. You just got to shoot like an 83. Okay. 83%. That's like a B average. You yeah. Could, you were a good I, student. You could yes. Do I All could right? do that. I could get. All right. All right. <laughs> Who was not a member of the nicest kids in town? Tammy. Ernie, IQ, and Sketch. Ernie. Okay. Wow. All right. So you got uh, one right so yes. far. Yes. All right. But he was on Sesame Street. Touche. Oh, yeah. One of my favorites, actually. Right? Okay. The last all-star closer on the Yankees before Araldus Chapman was... <laughs> uh... Mm. Uh, the all-star closer would be Derek Jeter. All right, shortstop, but uh, no, that's not the answer. I will. I, I might have to cross out the the which position did Derek Jeter play question. After oh, this. That's you know, well, you said that earlier, so I knew that. <laughs> I did remember that. Oh my gosh, I'm terrible at baseball. Uh, you're good. Don't worry about it. The lone shark in Jersey Boys that gets Tommy into trouble is Chip DiCarlo. Touche. Two for three. All right. Yes. All right. Let's see what we got here. All right. Here's a fun one. How many runs do you score on a Grand Slam? Four. Two. All right. Is okay. That right? Yeah, that is correct. Okay. <laughs> so we got. Please edit out the pause. I was like, <laughs> first base, second base. Home. Excellent. So right now you're three for four. You've only got. You've got. Two more questions. I am winning I think this you prize. Get them both right. It's happening. Okay. Excellent. Yes. Who was the original Link Larkin in Hairspray? Oh. Oh, my gosh. Why can't I think of his name? His name is going away from my brain. Oh, my gosh. I see him with his curly hair and going on to be in South Pacific and going on to Glee, and his name is, hmm, nope, not in my brain. He wears vests like me quite oh often. Oh, my God. Mark. The letter no. M is in the is ballpark. My, Pun intended. My, why can't I think of his name? Wow. Wow. Any, uh, yeah, I'm, you're you going to say it, I'm going to. His name myself. is Matthew Morrison. Matthew Morrison. 
Ben. Oh my gosh. My husband's name is Matthew. I'm horrible. Matthew Moore, of course. Oh, that's all right. That's all right. The tip of my tongue. All right. Now, technically, this would rule you out of contention for like, you know, the five for six thing. But yeah. because you were like such a good sport with me asking about Yankee closers, I'm going to make you a deal. Okay. Um, since you're not really on pace to win the prize. All right. <laughs> Um, <laughs> so you sad. get this one right. You can. I'm going to give it to you. Yes. You got to get this one right, though. Okay. Oh, gosh. There's a little bit of a catch, though. And again, you don't have to, but if you want to, I think it would everything. really make you feel like you earned it. Okay. If you want to sing the answer to finish that mm-hmm. lyric, it might be really fun. Okay. okay. I'm in. All right. I'm in. What don't you want Edward Bloom to tell you? No. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Um, um, I don't want him to say goodbye. Oh, shoot. This is so terrible. Edward Bloom, don't tell me that you're leaving us for good. Jenny, yes, I'm leaving, but for good, I never could. I'll be back someday. And I'll be waiting while you're gone. Together. Till then, be Be happy happy on on the road. road. That's one of my favorites. You got it. You win. All right. It's so funny. It's it's there. It's like you just have to like clear away the cobwebs. Oh my god. That was really. I can't believe you hit that high note just like casually at four thirty on a Thursday. That's pretty impressive. You do what you got to (laughs) do. Well, here is your prize. (gasps) Well earned. A brand new New York Yankees hat. Okay, stop. And it's adjustable. Good. It's adjustable. Unisex hat. Like it should fit. I. Thank Hope you. you. Like it. Oh my I gosh, I'm gonna wear it well. sideways as if I'm cool. That's VA. Yes, I like that. Matthew Morrison. That is gonna haunt me. <laughs> you still ended up winning the prize anyway, yes, though. Exactly. So it so worked out well. It worked out well. Thank um, you. I'm glad you won it too. <laughs> <laughs> and thank you for being a good sport about saying sorry you had to listen to me Edward, with that. But oh my gosh. I love that song. It out just there made on the road. me it just made my heart so happy to sing that again. Uh, you know. All, you don't so you don't listen to yourself like on Spotify that much. Oh my though? gosh. I mean, I have a playlist <laughs> that's just me on Spotify. No, no, I feel like because I cringe. I'm like, you sound so nasally and strange. I don't know, you know. Yeah, it is. It yeah, is it's, tough. it's funny to listen to myself. I, the thing I, I cringe the most at is on fo- with Follies, we recorded um, some uh, lines and monologues on the soundtrack. And whenever I listen to that, it, I don't know why. It's hard to listen to myself. Yeah, there, yeah. you know, there, it, I, I, I could definitely see that, especially since you're not just listening to yourself, you're listening to yourself do something that you're doing six, seven nights a week mm-hmm. on stage, you know, yeah. just all that repetition. It's you interesting. Know. And also, I I don't know why, but when I speak and listen to myself, it sounds differently than when I hear it back. I don't know what it is orally that, yeah, it changes. Now, it's the 10-year anniversary of Rock of Ages. Oh, yeah. And you've joined the distinguished line of players to take on the role of Sherry. How are things going over at New World Stages? Oh, my gosh. We are living it up at the Bourbon Room. It's great. It's really, really great. We have had consistently had thrilled audiences and they've been riotous and fun. And I never thought that this show would be in my path. And it is. And I am so grateful. And I still am just like, oh my gosh, I'm playing Sherry Christian Rock of Ages <laughs> right now. Like it's, it's so, it's so fantastic. Now, are you a big classic rock fan yourself? Um, you know, I'm, I'm now realizing looking at my Spotify playlist, I was like, oh, I do, I do listen to a lot of Van Morrison. I don't know if he'd be classic rock. People might think he, he's more in the margins of a I, I wasn't a hair band um, 80s rock fan. I, I loved the music, but I wouldn't listen to it consistently. But um, I have a brother-in-law who loves 80s hair band. And I feel like since he be, he came into our lives, I've listened to a lot more 80s music, both in the car with him or just when we've been hanging out as a family. And I mean, it's it transports you back to such a fun time. And I really, 
I love singing it every night. I, <laughs> I really was going to say, clearly it must have inspired you for the audition because you end up getting the oh part. Oh my gosh, yeah. You're taking on a lead role. I, let me ask you, did you see the original show or the movie? I didn't see the movie. I still haven't seen the movie. I I don't have a lot of time right now. Doing eight shows a week, you are surprised at how little time you have, especially when you're commuting because I live um, far uptown now. And um, I haven't seen the movie. I probably will see it. It's, yeah. Um, but and I had seen the show before. I saw it um, when I was in Hairspray. I was in Hairspray with Ashley Spencer, who's now married to Jeremy Jordan. They just had a baby. And I saw it when she went to the show. I, I think I went to see her do it. And um, so I remember the production when I think it was at the Helen Hayes at that point. Oh, wow. So I was going to ask you, you know, I, I'm going to make another baseball parallel. Yeah. And well, we're going to use A-Rod because he's the best. Nice on the eyes. <laughs> <laughs> J-Lo thinks so. J-Lo thinks so. Okay. <laughs> so he grew up, you know, kind of idolizing Cal Ripken Jr. and Ozzie Smith as a shortstop growing up. He modeled his game after theirs offensively and defensively. Mm-hmm. Yet he made a very conscious effort to be his own player. Um you know, he focused particularly on b- the ability to hit line drives in every at-bat. And lo and behold, he became the only one in that great lineage of shortstops to win a batting title, to hit 50 home runs, to drive in 140 runs. There's an admiration for what came before at the same position, but also making it his own. How do you take what you saw on stage, for example, with like an Ashley Spencer? And you know, you had Kay Rockwell and Kerry Butler, I guess, all yeah. took on Sherry. But you also put the Kirsten Scott touch on it. How did you do that? Yeah, I... um. I listened to the soundtrack a lot when I was going in for it because I had to learn it very quickly. It was a quick audition process. And for me, it's just easy to throw on that cast album and just keep it kind of in your brain while you're walking around the city, on the subway, whatnot. So I listened to Amy Spanger a lot because she originated it and she's the the person that they felt was, was their ideal Sherry. So I listened to her a lot. And then kind of threw it all away <laughs> because you have to. So I, I wanted to to be inspired by kind of the impetus for what they thought Sherry should kind of be molded after, and then throw it away and go, okay, what do I do that's like her? What can I do vocally that's kind of an homage to her, but also I can do my own thing. Um, so I I don't know. It was it was really nice because during the rehearsal process, I was encouraged to bring whatever I felt. I wanted to, to the role and into the room. And we had lots of conversations about the original blocking and let's stick to the original blocking or maybe, oh, Kirsten, you have an idea. Great. Let's maybe try this one. And luckily, Kristen, our director, and Kelly, our choreographer, were very open to hearing what we as actors who had never done the roles before kind of brought to the table. Um, But then we did, you know, we're still using the original costumes, the original sets. So there are some things that still had to be, you know, specific, maybe some blocking, some choreography still had to be the same, but we were bringing our own take on it. And um, yeah, what what Kirsten Scottisms did I bring? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it is a perky character. Yes, she's a perky character, but I think I also, I... I am an I'm an old soul. I've always kind of been an old soul. Um, even in high school, I was not very. I was not one of the most popular kids, and um, I kind of always was like an old soul who would much rather be sitting at home, kind of watching a movie or like listening to my cast albums. So, <laughs> so with the perkiness of Sherry and with the wide eyedness of her, of her, I I tried to also make her not dumb and make her have a brain and a soul and a heart. And so I think that's what I, as Kirsten, brought to that. I And not that other a- actresses hadn't. I just, I felt like I, I can't make her a character, caricature. I can't make her a cartoon. She has to have weight and, and gravity to her. Or why do we care about her story? 
That's so interesting that you mentioned that because the, you mentioned the the, the caricature thing. Yeah. It's very easy to to play something as two dimensional, but absolutely. you talk about that heart and soul. It's a, a three dimensional character is what resonates with the audience. Yes, and absolutely, that's huge. Absolutely, absolutely. Because even those people that you see walking through the city that you're like, oh, they're vapid as all, but they have they have their days when their their hearts get broken and they're um you know they. They have brains, and even though sometimes I don't think they do, I don't know where I'm going with this. I'm just, I'm, it, you, you can't look at someone just one dimensionally, and you can't just um, read them for you know the 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 small things that you think they are. You have to really dig a little bit deeper. What's the holiday schedule like for you know the folks at home who want to go see Rock of Ages uh, this holiday? Season? Yes, um, we are performing a lot during the holidays, as, does, <laughs> as do all Broadway shows. Um, we have a show Christmas Day. We have a Christmas Day evening show at 8 o'clock. So we have Christmas Eve off, which is kind of lovely. Then we have a show Christmas Day at 8 o'clock. I think we have New Year's Eve off, and then we have a show New Year's Day um, night, if that makes sense. So like January 1st, we have a show at 8. So as if people um, didn't party enough on New yeah, Year's Eve, they're just right? going to come to your show and booze because, up. Well, and here's like... the thing. You can like stay up late New Year's Eve. You can like booze it up. You can sleep until like 3, get up, go get some brunch, and then go, oh, I want to go see a show and get drunk again. Come to Rock of Ages. Yeah. Duh. Yeah. <laughs> Start your New Year's outright. Start I 2020 agree. outright. That's right. Oh my gosh, 2020. That's crazy. We're starting a new decade. This is the new version of the 20s, which right? is kind of weird. It's not like you're just saying like, you know how like people say like the 20s, you think about the roaring 20s. Yeah. People didn't say the 10s, like referring yeah. to 2010 the to 2019. Aughts. I feel like I've heard people, you know, I've I, heard wouldn't, I wouldn't be mad if all of a sudden it turns 2020 and we reverted back to the roaring 20s. Cause I thought that was kind of a kick-ass time. Yeah. And I would totally like the architecture's beautiful. The style for women's beautiful. I mean, I'd still want all the rights that we have nowadays. Yeah. <laughs> boop, <laughs> boop, boop. Um, <laughs> but I would love to like go get like a gin cocktail. With, with like a flap address and like talk like this. You are an old soul <laughs> and a great actress. I love this. I would love that. <laughs> I want to go to like a speakeasy. Oh my gosh. I'm so down. That, that's, right? Yeah, right? I like uh, that. People people have like, like you know, great Gatsby themed parties all the time because I think there's something – the Roaring Twenties was such a fascinating time. Let's or me and you oh, will orchestrate a like a, a like a a Broadway. The we could do it like on a Monday night, no, right? Not like many a Broadway Roaring Twenties party. Might have to do it on a Tuesday. We all have to talk like this, sir. <laughs> <laughs> we must. Uh, my best impression is probably A Rod. I don't, really do, and he wasn't around in the twenties. <laughs> okay, so, yeah, he was around the twenties. Nor was I. I'm an old soul, but not that old. You could you could teach me a few. things. Yeah, right. Before we wrap, I mm -hmm. I thought of one final segment that we do on every show here, and it's yes. personally my favorite. Hopefully, you feel the same way. Cool. You've accomplished some incredible things on stage. Thanks. Um, it's about to get tough though, just for these next couple minutes. <gasps> oh gosh. We're gonna play a game called. Get real. Yeah, it's yeah. called fastball derby. You know what that is? Um, yes, I do know what that is. You've heard you've heard what I've we heard do. of that. Well, no, I've heard of what an actual fastball derby is. I wish that they had it actually because Chapman would probably win every year. You think of yeah. home run derby? Um, this is our parody of just the kidding. Home run. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I know what that is. That's baseball. Wow, wow, lying through my teeth. I thought that's when like someone just hits as many. Oh, that is home, run, home derby. run derby. Okay, cool. Fastball cool, cool. derby is so dangerous that they don't allow it in the major leagues. But we like to take so risks around here. Dangerous. Yeah, I oh. don't know if, if you're prepared. I'm going to dive in head first. Are you think? Okay, yeah. it's good. Cause okay, here we're we going to throw you questions. First thing that comes. And to you know, your I'm going to put my Yankees cap on so my head is protected. <laughs> this is good. Yeah, because this is like here the ninth go. inning and 105 is coming at you. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Oh my gosh, terrifying. Favorite New York City meal. Ooh. Oh my god. 
fish. <gasps> oh, okay. This is going to sound so, so weird, but there is this eggplant at this place called Little Frankie's. I think it's on the Lower East Side, but that's one of the greatest things I've ever put um, – uh, yeah, I was, yep. I was going to say put in my mouth and then, <laughs> and then I stopped myself. Um, no, but that's one of the greatest things I've ever eaten. It's like an eggplant that they put in the oven and they put this chili oil stuff on it and it just, it's ridiculous. Your lucky number. Eight. How come? You know, it's always been a lucky number since I was a kid. I don't know. I'd always want to be eight on my soccer team and on my softball team and on you don't have numbers on the swim team. Never mind. Um, <laughs> tennis team. Um, but I was um, – one of our justices, um, Teresa, who came in for a stint, um, she said that eight's a really good lucky number because turn it on its side and it's infinity. So it means, you know, anything's possible. I like so, that. So – and I th- I would call myself an optimist. I, I do think anything's possible. Even in my darkest days, I'm like there's still some hope. So maybe that's why my uh, lucky number's always been eight. Person in the audience for one of your shows that you were most intimidated or nervous to perform in front of? Um, Tom Cruise came to Hairspray with Siri. And I was like, uh, I, yeah. I just thought, I just kept thinking like Top Gun. <laughs> Top Gun, Tom Cruise. Oof. Favorite late night snack, two show day, you get home from the theater. What's Kirsten grabbing before she hits the couch? Um, Popcorn made on the stovetop with coconut oil that my hubby makes real good. Um, Some cheese and kombucha with this show. But with other shows that I don't sing as much, a nice glass of wine. Red or white? Um... I love red in the in the cooler months. Um, I would I'm a go-to red girl, but like lately because it I can sing better with it. I've been I've been a rose white girl. Yeah. You're a big moviegoer. What's mm. your favorite film? Oh gosh, I don't have favorites with things, so this is so hard for me. Oh good, 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 good. You know, honestly, I I still I'm gonna stand by and say Big Fish just because it has a nostalgia and it has like a first date and it has a has a lot of ties for me. I'm going to go with Big Fish, and I think it's brilliantly written by John August. Love it. Proudest moment of your career? Calling my <laughs> taking the hat off my head while I cry. Um, when I was in Follies at the Kennedy Center, um, we didn't know that it was going to go anywhere. People, of course, were talking about it, and they're you know, people said it's a show with Bernadette Peters and it's Follies and it's Sondheim. And of course they're going to bring you guys into Broadway, but we had no idea. Um, when they pulled us into a room and Michael Kaiser, the then president of the Kennedy Center and um, our director, Eric Schaefer, gathered and said that we were moving to Broadway, I, I, I was so thrilled. And then I got to go into the stairwell and they also said we were going to record a cast album. And I ran into the stairwell at the Kennedy Center and I called my parents and I said – we're moving to Broadway, and I get to record my first original cast album. Um, and it was so special to me to get to have that moment. And I don't know, for some reason, I felt like I did my parents proud. And it was really um, moving as I'm bawling right now. <laughs> <laughs> and lastly, best piece of advice anyone ever gave you? Hmm. Gosh, isn't that funny? I feel like there's so many swir- swirling around in my brain right now because I had a lot of fantastic teachers growing up. 
Mm. I think you are enough is, is one that always kind of just continues to resonate. And and now that I, I teach a little bit, I, I try to in, infuse that into students because you, there are so many things you try to control in this business and you have no control over anything. As I just got some terrible emails or earlier today, like that I wasn't moving forward with projects and this and that and the other thing. And you're always like, what, what could I have done differently in the room? And it's never about that. You are enough. It's for whatever reason, when you're in the right place at the right time, that job will come your way. And it's hard to know that, but it's, it's always something I try to continue to tell myself. Don't change who I am. Just know that I am enough and the right thing will come when it's supposed to come. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> it's been so great to have you on here. I, I definitely am going to encourage all of you folks at home to go out and see Rock of Ages this yeah. holiday season. I'm probably just going to have to go for a second time at this point because I had so much fun today. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, it's we're having a blast over there. So please come. Oh yeah, I, I can't. And wait there's to- so many ways to see it. Like we do, we do rush tickets. We right now it's Rocktoberfest, so all uh, all seats are sixty nine dollars. There's yeah, there's affordable ways to see it as well. Hopefully there'll <laughs> be some sort of Christmas promotion too. Oh, there that, because will I be, feel like we're going to be right? releasing like right around Thanksgiving. People will be like, you know, they'll be like full ho ho re- hooray for boobies. <laughs> yeah, that could work too. Right? Why don't you propose that to like the PR department? I'm done. All right, I'm gonna go tell our company manager tonight. <laughs> Perfect. That's awesome. I love it. <laughs> That'll close out the ball game here on Break About. Kirsten, thank you again. Thanks. And we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to Break a Bat. This is produced by the fine folks at the Broadway Podcast Network. Visit and subscribe at bpn.fm slash breakabat. You can find me online at break underscore a underscore bat underscore podcast. And you can also find the Broadway Podcast Network on Instagram at Broadway Podcast Network. It's been so great having you here with us today, and we'll see you next time. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.